Welcome to the Inspiration of Now podcast. I'm your host, Tamor Bootson, and my goal is to inspire you through the different perspectives of each guest. Our guests will vary from musicians, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, athletes, artists, you name it. Each episode, I will be bringing on a new guest who I've been inspired by in one way or another and want to share their inspiration with you. This season is proudly sponsored by Boquetto Cold Brew. Boquetto Cold Brew is an LA-based tea and coffee company using only fresh, premium ingredients. On this episode of The Inspiration of Now, I'd like to introduce our guest, George Del Rosel. George, welcome to the show. Thanks, Timur. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you, George. So George fought in the Junior Olympics and also fought on Mexico's national boxing team, which is amazing. George and I met in high school, and he's really inspired me in so many different ways. And uh, it's an honor to have him on the show. And uh, George, congratulations on all your accomplishments. Thank you. I mean, it's all about hard work and dedication, right? I guess that something that you always got to do is whatever you do, you got you to put your heart in it. And as long as you do that, I guess everything is going to pay off. Right. And you're always so positive in each challenge you go through. You're always able to find a positive in that situation. Did you always have that mentality throughout your life or was this something you had to learn? I guess I'll be born with this mentality. It's just been encouraged through like the people I've met and all the disciplines I've been put through. But um, I will say that, uh, well, you know, like I come from Mexico. I immigrated when I was 14. And um, that was the, I guess, the biggest change in my life that determined who I really am. But prior to that, when I was in Mexico, I went to a military school mm-hmm. where, you know, the military discipline basically teaches you how to uh, how to not give up on, on something. And, and, well, the military discipline really gets into your mind in the mindset that no matter what you do, you, you have no limit. Mm-hmm. And if you break that mental limit that you place, then you'll be able to make, to break that physical limit that you can break through. Okay, I see. And did you start this military training academy before you got into boxing or were you already into boxing at this time? Uh, it's actually funny because I started military academy before prior prior boxing, right? And the only reason why I wanted to do boxing is because in the military school, they used to kick my ass, you know? Like, I guess the military is so... Well, at least in Mexico, right? Because I know the American military uh, system, they're more of, of a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. But in Mexico, it's more of um, the survival of the fittest. Mm. The more fit you are, the better opportunities you have. And since I always wanted to be a leader, I guess that the only way for me to succeed was for me to create some intimidation into others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to pick up boxing because a lot of kids will pick on me. So And I was a little chubby. So I was like, oh, like, let's start with boxing. So it's something that my dad encouraged. And first time I stepped in the ring, I felt that connection with, with just being hit, right? I was like, oh, I was, I, I like this. Yeah. So you, you actually like getting hit. I actually enjoy getting hit. Yes. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. So George, when you first started boxing, did you, did you start boxing before you even transitioned from Mexico to the U.S.? Or did you start boxing once you got here to the U.S.? I actually started boxing in Mexico. Okay. I started boxing in Mexico after a year, uh, probably after a year of training. As I said, I was pretty chubby, so I couldn't fight because I was way too heavy. So I did my first fight in um, in Mexico. Okay. And I was, as I was about to walk into the ring, I was like, oh, what am I doing in here? You know, like, I, do I really want to do this? Yeah. And I'm probably not. 
and then I was in the ring, and then there's there's the other person, your opponent in front of you. I was like, oh, this is this is about to go down. Then am I really ready? You know, and then you start thinking everything you did on, on on training, but you don't take it to that level yet because like it's your first fight, so like you just know that you're gonna fight, but you don't know that it's a sport that encourages you to fight and be the best. Right. And I I remember like I turned around to my coach. I was like, I don't think I'm ready. Like, you know, he's like, yeah. let's go, let's do it. I was like, okay. Like, you know, like I wasn't ready, but because, because my dad was cheering, my mom was cheering, my sister was recording and everyone was recording. I was like, oh, I can't let them down. I, I, mm-hmm. I have to try harder. I have to fight. And, you know, it happened. Wow. Question. What did that first punch feel like? Right. So I feel like, and that's for every single fight I ever had, you very excited until you step in the ring. After they say your name, you're kind of like, okay, I'm chilling. Like mm-hmm. they introduce you, you know, like you're kind of like, okay, I'm ready to like start fighting. And then when the mm-hmm. bell rings, that's when you get nervous the most until you get the first punch in your face. Mm. If he kind of, if he doesn't hit hard, you're going to be like, okay, this is easy. Right. But if he hits hard, then you're going to be like, oh my God, I just walk into hell right now. What am I doing for the next three minutes? You know, right. you're trying to get, not get punched because you know that he hits really hard. Uh, just hearing that, George, makes me so glad I'm not a boxer because I would be terrified. And I, it sounds like really intense. So I'm so glad I'm not out there getting punches to the face. Exactly. So that's why you're always trying to be the first one to, to hit. Right. Oh, that makes total sense. So, George, what I'm curious about is who's been a big influence in your life? Yeah, I guess my daddy's been the biggest influence in my life. Just because, as well as your daddy, you usually try to follow. That's the only person you know, right? That's your first right. model. And he was my first model in a lot of things. And, and he was a paratrooper back in the days in Mexico as well. He was a part of the paracadistas, which means paratroopers. So ever since I was a kid, I grew up with that military mentality and somehow integrated into my life. Right. And um, so, yeah, he encouraged me to go to the to the school that at first mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be fun. And then the first month, yeah. it was hell. I was like, oh, I really don't want to be here. Right. But I couldn't cry to my dad. So I was uh, I was encouraged that military school in the in the school system. And then mm-hmm. I had the same mentality back at home. So I couldn't I couldn't cry. OK, I see. Yeah, you couldn't complain because your dad was the one who was like, hey, you should get into this. So you felt weird if you'd be complaining back at home. So you kind of had just to take it in. Exactly. OK, I see. So what was that relationship like with your father? Well, my dad, he's always been that supportive figure that I ever had in my life. Um, in the beginning, when I started the military school, uh, he was very supportive. He used to, you know, help me out with the uniforms, uh, teach me how to clean my boots, teach me, um, you know, he used to teach me a lot right. and something that I'll, I'll always be grateful for but um everything i ever done is always being supported by my dad so I, I feel like he's the backbone of who i am right oh i love that george the the relationship you and your dad had together and that really goes to say a lot about who your father was as a person and how he supported you so i love that and um you said your dad was a police officer right yeah he was a police officer yeah, so he was also a police officer and recently passed away probably uh, three years. It was on May 15, 2018. Wow, and I know you and I have talked about this before, George, and uh, once again, I'm very sorry about your loss, and I can't imagine what that's like losing someone so close to you and losing that support. What kind of effects did that take on you, and how did you overcome this? Right, right. Well, as I said, it's something that I always ask myself too, but I guess that some people deal with different with, with grief. 
And the way I felt, it was like, oh, okay, so now my, my dad is gone. Um, I, I gotta do something with my life. I just can't, can't, can't be crying for what just happened. And right. I guess this is life and, you know, it just comes, happens and that's it. I gotta keep on going. Gotta keep on moving forward. Otherwise, I'm just gonna not be the person who I promised my dad to be. Mm. Right. And I guess everything goes along with, with when I started the American dream. After I graduated yeah. from that military institution that I'm talking about, mm -hmm. I decided to, to come to the United States because my dad said that I was taking life too easy and I wasn't um, challenging myself enough. And if I really wanted to change, challenge myself, then I would have, I would have um, came to the United States. And I was like, oh, how come you don't send me? He's like, oh, if I send you after three months, you're going to start crying and begging me to send you back to Mexico. Right. I'm like, oh, bet. Like, let's do it. Like, I really want to, I want to prove you wrong. He's like, oh, okay, well, I don't want you crying after three months. I'm like, that's not, never going to happen. <laughs> He's like, okay, then I'm going to get your ticket, but I'm not going to get your ticket back. If you, if you want to come back to Mexico, you got to raise your own money. I'm like, okay, then let's do it. <laughs> and I came to the U.S. Uh, not, not knowing what I was about to face, right? I was like, damn. But I couldn't complain to my dad too again, right? Yeah. I, I couldn't complain to him because if I were to complain, he would be like, I told you, <laughs> right? And right. I didn't want to listen to that, so... I guess I just had to make this experience the best out of it. And this is where I'm at now. Right. Oh, I love that, George. I love how your dad just sent you on a one-way trip to the U.S. And no looking back. I think that's all great. I love what he did. You might not, but I love it. So when you first got to the U.S., what were in the first couple of months, let's say those three months, what were some of the biggest challenges you were facing at the time? Right. Well, I guess the biggest the biggest barrier that every immigrant faces is the language barrier. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still learning English and it's, it's kind of hard though, you know, and even if you know a little English, th that doesn't mean that you necessarily know the culture. Right. And if anything, that's the hardest thing to adapt to because like you grew up knowing this Mexican culture and now you're encouraged to know the American culture in order for you to, to sympathize with others. Something that I wasn't used to. Right. Sympathizing with others and having that connection. Exactly. Relating to others in issues that you've never been exposed to before. Right. And, you know, for me, at least, I went to uh, Mexico for one month and I got sent off by myself for this program. It was in Oaxaca, Mexico. And the language barrier for me was so challenging because I first got there and uh, I remember there was like a, I had to go to the airport and these like the host family picked me up and it was like a 45 minute drive to their own dead silence because I didn't know any Spanish at all. So I totally see where you're coming from, George. And the, the, the language barrier is definitely difficult for anyone trying to learn a new language and especially trying to fit in with that new culture, as you were saying. Yeah, it really is. And then not just the English, well, the, the language barrier, but on top of that, you got to deal with school. Mm. And on top of that, you got to deal with kids that make fun of you because you don't speak English, right? Mm -hmm. So like, how, how do you do that? Right. So, so how do you do that if you, if you don't come with the right mindset? And, and keep in mind that my mindset was like, oh, I got to put my, my dad wrong. Even though I, I love my dad and, and like I said, like we had the greatest connection I ever had with anyone else. But um, in the back of my head, I was just like, oh, I can't, I can quit. I just, I just gotta keep on going, you know? I guess it mm -hmm. goes back to the military um, mentality that, that I was encouraged going to that school. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, damn, like, I have to learn English. Otherwise, they're just gonna keep on making fun of me. Right, right. And how are you able to overcome this cultural barrier? Well, you know, up to the day, I still deal with it. Uh, people educate me and they think that it bothers me, but it really doesn't. 
just mm-hmm. because they're teaching me, you know. I mean, I've I've come across with a lot of rude people that told me that they hate my accent. And I was like, you know, like I can't do anything. I really can't, even if I try. I just I just have this thick accent because I'm still learning. I get I get frustrated just hearing that people will take the time to tell you that. Like once you get frustrated. Yeah, I mean it's kind of frustrating as you said, but I guess that I mean you just said in the beginning I'm a very positive person. I try to not take um negative comments into my personal life. So mm-hmm. I just take it as um as a whole things. Like, you know, I, I up to a point I take it as a compliment. I even make fun like you know, like they're trying to hurt my feelings, but it doesn't really hurt my feelings. So I just say thank mm-hmm. you. And I guess that it just bothers them more. Yeah. So as I said, everything depends on how you take how you take everything in life. And if you if you always take the positive of it, then I guess you're always learning. Yeah, always having that you know mindset and perspective of just knowing you're all, you're gonna grow as a person and having that positive mindset. After you moved here to the U.S., you continued boxing. So then you move here to the U.S. And I know when you and I were both in high school at the time you were living with your aunt and uncle um so how is the support from your um mom and dad different from the support of your aunt and uncle i mean the support from my uncles was always i think it was always there but you also gotta understand that i wasn't their kid you know Mm um i mean yeah they did love me everything they helped me a lot they taught me a lot somehow because of them i'm i am where i am now but uh when it comes to the sport they were like oh yeah like you're gonna fight cool like oh you know they weren't they didn't really know how serious i was taking the sport of boxing mm-hmm. so because of that you know like you you see the support uh not being fully there because you're just like oh yeah it's just a hobby or something so they weren't fully supportive because they didn't realize how serious you were taking the boxing and that this was, you know, your passion and they just didn't understand that. Yeah, right. And what was the biggest obstacle that stood in the way of you and of you and your aunt and uncle? Well, I feel so in terms of that, I guess the biggest obstacles within my uncles and, and me was that I didn't want to do things their way. So like that kind of stood in the in, in between the two of us and kind of ruined our relationship. And during those, you know, I, I'm sure you were really frustrated during that and like what were you telling yourself that helped you get through those times to pursue your passion? I mean, as I said, like when you had a drive, when you have a drive, no matter what you do and if you have a goal, I mean, I'm the type of person that if I have a goal, no matter how I do it, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So like it goes back to that mentality that I really wanted to do something and I wasn't going to put, I, was, I wasn't going to let any barriers stop me from accomplishing what I really wanted to do. All right. I mean, and- as I said, if there's no sacrifices before you even try something, then I guess victory won't taste as good. So the more you sacrifice, the better everything tastes. Right. Well, I know from what we've talked about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, there's a point in your boxing career where you're at the height of, like, you know, you're taking it super serious. You've, you've fought at JOs already, Junior Olympics. And there's a point where um, I believe you had a match the same day and then you and your aunt were having some issues. What happened that day? Yeah, well, we were just having problems, you know, Mm -hmm. like as a boxer, you got to understand that when you're like fighting, you have nothing else to think of but the fight. Right. So, so I get to the fight and I was, I was, I was fighting with my aunt over something. She kept on blowing off my phone. I'm about to step into the ring where you got to. Well, you got to come with that to me right now. Okay, I get it. So to clarify, you had a fight with your aunt earlier in the morning. Then you have this match and she's texting you, calling you, blowing up your phone. Well, you're trying to get in your zone to go and fight. 
Exactly. And then I step into the ring and I get my first, I get the first round in and I perform trashly. I couldn't really fight because I was thinking of something else. You were distracted. I was distracted. Exactly. I couldn't, couldn't focus on the fight. I couldn't focus on my opponent. I did, I wasn't there. So I was like, damn, you know, like I was, I just wasn't thinking on the fight. And I get to a corner and my coach goes like, oh, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What are you doing in here? Like, don't, don't you want to win? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I do want to win. He's like, well, it doesn't seem like it. Like, stop thinking whatever you're thinking. Focus on the fight. Like, you're here right now. Come on. Give me your best. I know you're not giving your best. Let's do it. And, you know, like, it's kind of hard for you to to focus on a fight when you have a lot of things going on behind that. Right. I feel like that's the reason why professional boxers are professionals, just because they know how to deal with their emotions before going into a ring. Mm-hmm. They know how to deal with, like, ham training. They know how to deal with a lot of things that amateurs amateurs don't really know how to so like as i said like after after i had that little talk with my coach it was less than a minute mm-hmm. i i went back into the ring for the second round and i was like okay like you know like i'm here i'm fighting let's let's fight you know like my problems can't be can't wait um i'm here doing boxing so let's do boxing right right oh that's great george and you're there to do boxing so focus on the boxing and your problems can wait Exactly. So what were some of the biggest life lessons that you've taken away from boxing? I feel like, as I said, boxing is a very disciplined sport. I've never really, well, I've done soccer when I was a kid, but I never really enjoyed to be playing with with other people just because I'm the type of person that I like, I like to always lead and I like mm-hmm. to be in charge. And when I was playing soccer, since I wasn't that good, I wasn't, I wasn't able to be in charge. And I feel like... Um, in a sport that you play with others doesn't really it, victory is not as good. Let's say it like that. I mean that that's just my personal view. So like what I like about about boxing is that if you work hard enough, you see you you see your hard work, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not it doesn't depend on anyone else but yourself mm-hmm. and the type of love you put into the sport. And you know, boxing is just the type of sport that makes you sacrifice a lot. That when you sacrifice enough. You realize how much, how far you, you you've gone because of the sacrifices you you've done. So I feel like something that boxing has taught me is to not give up easily. That's one, and mm-hmm. two is for you to take everything you have. You know, everything every every time you're gonna perform, you gotta try your best. Mm-hmm. No, no matter what you do, and you know another thing that boxing taught me is that if you if it's okay for you to fall, it's it's okay for you to lose, but you always gotta learn from 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 your loss. Because mm-hmm. if you don't learn, then you actually lost. But if you if, if you learn, then it's not a, it's not an L, it's a lesson. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot, George. Like you know, you can you may not succeed the first time, but that's fine because if you learn from that, that's winning in itself. It's winning in itself. And I actually have never heard it in that perspective before, and I think that's super powerful, and that speaks with me big time. And you know, you might fail five, 10, 20 times at what you're doing, but that doesn't matter because if you're learning each time, you're winning. And that's just going to get you closer and closer to what you're wanting to achieve. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. But you also got to keep a positive point of view on how you see things. Because if you're mm-hmm. not a positive person, then you're going to be like, oh, I'm a loser, you know? Right. But like, if you stay positive on what you do, then life is just going to reward you. Right. I love that mentality, George. And I love the positivity you carry. I know that right now you're coaching a little bit. You're also working, still training. And I know you. we talked about that you have plans on uh, opening up a uh, boxing gym facility. Yeah, that's for- right. Well, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to help out the community. Um, 
I'm trying to help out the kids from Riverside. Well, right now I'm placed at Riverside because I go to UCR. And I feel, well, I mean, once you step into a boxing gym, you'll know what I'm talking about. The vibe at the boxing gym is just family. Right. I, I could tell you that that's where I found my second family. And I'm really grateful for that because not everyone gets to experience that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just want to give kids opportunity for them to find a place where they get to be themselves. They, they get to better themselves. And they get to think of good things because if you if you think of, of good things, good things are going to happen to you. Right. Oh, and I love that alone, George. And I know for a fact I'll be visiting one day in person, which will be awesome. So with this being season two, at the end of each episode, I have a question that's prepared by one of our listeners. And that question will be answered by our guest. Okay, that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. So this question is by Maria C. And the question is... What is the best advice you've ever received and the worst advice you've ever received? Okay, that's a good one. And I guess it has to do a lot with the way I think. So I was a little kid. I was probably um, six years old playing with an action figure that had a little par- uh, parachute, right? So right. what I used to do, I used to go on the second floor in the back in my house in Mexico. And I'll, be, I'll, I'll throw my action figure and the parachute will open. And, right. you know, like... a paratrooper something that i always wanted to do you know my dad was a paratrooper so like as i said everything was related so i was playing with my action figure and i I threw the action figure and when he landed he broke the leg and i started Mm. crying i started crying and my dad was sleeping so i go crying to my dad with the with one leg in my hand and in the other hand holding the action figure and i started crying i was sobbing i was like oh dad i I broke my action figure please help yeah i was i was sobbing bro i was i was a little kid keep that in mind right yeah and my dad he was kind of mad frustrated at the same time and he goes Mm -hmm. like listen everything has a solution has a solution in life everything you do Mm -hmm. has a solution in life no matter what you do, even if you messed up, it's okay. You you get to try it again. Right. Right. There's always a you, solution. Yeah, there's always a solution except for death. When you die, you die. Mm-hmm. But b- besides that, no matter what you do, there's always a solution and a stop mm-hmm. for it. So like, yeah, you might not like the consequence of your action, but there's always there's always consequence and there's always a way for you to solve that. You might not yeah. like to do the work for you to solve what you cost, but there's always there's always a way for you to fix it, right? Wow, I like that a lot. If you're not dead, there's always a solution to your problems. Exactly. And the second part of that question is, what some of the worst advice you've received? You know, I, I kind of disagree on that. I feel like every advice has some positive into it just mm-hmm. because you you work the way you want to. I don't feel like any advice really brings you something wrong into your life because it's up to you to, for you to take it or not, right? Okay, I like that. I like that a lot because it's up to you to pick and choose what you take away. And there's always something to learn from that. And I think that just uh, showcases your mentality as well as having that positive mindset. So Maria, thank you for that question. And last but not least, George, what was the motivational and inspirational quote you prepared for us today? Right. So the quote, um, again, my childhood was lived in Mexico. So therefore, it has to be in Spanish. And uh, the quote goes like el no puedo no existe which means uh the i can't does not exist in your dictionary so the quote is the words i can't does not exist in your dictionary right exactly so if the word can't does not exist in your dictionary you can use it and there's no limits for you because no matter what you do you can say i can't because you're gonna keep on trying and trying and trying until you get it right and you know like it goes back to the idea of not giving up ecd so i feel like 
you know, it was encouraged when I was little. I, I said I was a crybaby. I'll cry for everything. And right, right. Uh, I, I'll be one of those that be like, oh, yeah, like I can do it, mom. That's too hard. And my mom will tell me, oh, no, the kind word doesn't exist. How, how are you going to tell me that? If I if you really want it, you're going to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. It might take you longer. It might be hard, but you're able to do it, right? I mean, we are right. able to do everything, but yeah. we just don't want to do it. We don't want to deal with the stress behind that. We don't want to deal with the work behind that. But at the end of the day, you're able to do it. Oh, dude, I love that, George. And I think that ties back in definitely into the whole your whole boxing career in life and everything you've been through in life, the challenges, the sacrifices, you know, fighting for uh, Mexico's national boxing team, going to Junior Olympics, and just all that, that mindset and what we've learned from you in this episode and everything you've put into your boxing is why you achieved what you did and where you got and uh, continue to achieve. George, thank you again so much for your time, your insights, motivation, stories. And, um, you know, each episode I have with each guest, it's always opening new perspectives for me and just new viewing things in a different light and perspective. So I'm always grateful for that. I'm grateful for your time. And thank you again, George. No, thank you, Timor. Thanks for everything. As I said, you taught me a lot in high school and trust I still using everything you taught me and it's been helpful and it's been a pleasure to meet you i appreciate it george and same right back at you i'm so glad we met and uh been able to keep in contact ever since so thank you again george and i look forward to sharing this episode with the audience and all your inspiration thanks again george thank you thanks again for tuning into this episode of the inspiration of now podcast I hope you took away a new perspective and motivation from our guest. I want to thank Boketto Cold Brew for being this season's sponsor and Rue Productions for creating our theme song. I look forward to our next episode and I'll catch you all on the next one.